Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this is episode 253. Now, June is coming up in a few days here at the time of this recording, and it is Fertility Awareness Month. So I thought it would be more than appropriate to have our very special guest on today's episode. As I've shared on a previous podcast episode, I recently turned 30. I personally am starting to just really try to educate myself more on how I can take care of my body as I start to age, as I hope to, God willing, at some point have children and cross that bridge. I really want to, for me, do all that I can to nourish my body, take care of my body, but really to understand what's happening in my body. And regardless of where you're at in that brain space for you, whatever age you're at, whether you're post-childbearing age, pre-childbearing age, I guess you wouldn't be pre, there's no like teens listening to this podcast, but if you are within the childbearing age, regardless of whether or not you want to have children, I do really encourage you to still listen to today's episode because when we're talking about fertility, we're not just talking about having a baby. We're, it, we're talking about understanding your health, your body as a woman. So I'm so excited to bring to you today's guest, Ayla Bramer. She is the founder and formulator of Full Well Fertility. She shares her expertise on today's episode. And we're talking about really all things fertility, women's health, nutrition during preconception, pregnancy, postpartum. But she's also going to share a really interesting just insight to how she created this prenatal vitamin. It's actually a vitamin that I take as well because I believe in it. I believe in not just the why behind it, but she does such a great job elevating dietitians and she has a lot of resources that I personally share with clients as well. So I recommend her multivitamin to any woman who is in the childbearing ages. We actually have a link to it in the show notes. It is an affiliate link. Full disclosure there. If you click the link, I think I get a very small percentage. I don't even know what it is. But again, as you know, as I've shared with you, we only have products and people on the show who I truly believe in and I will stand behind. So, And she is one of them. So without further ado... On the show, I know you're going to enjoy it. So please take notes. And if something resonated with you, share it with a girlfriend, a cousin, a friend, somebody, another woman in your life who also needs to hear this message. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fierce. Ayla, your background is just like so beautiful and bright and pretty, and it's very visually appealing. And we're happy to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having <laughs> me, Katie. Let's start by just telling our audience, sharing with us, you know, how you became a dietitian. You know, what is your story with food, with movement, with your body? Mm, yeah, sure. Um, 
Yeah. So I've been a registered dietitian for a little over, I guess, 15 years now. Um, I also have a master's degree and additional training in integrative and functional medicine and I'm a herbalist. And so have added on some layered in some additional kind of training and specialties um, along the way. Can you share what that means? Cause I have a feeling our audience is like, huh, herbalist, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, well, I'm knowledgeable in all things herbs, you know, and, and plants. And I really got into that after seeing, you know, the value really and in incorporating them into my private practice clients protocols. They can really be, um, I like incorporating herbs in a way that feels a lot like food is medicine and just you know, integrating them into our everyday as allies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it felt like a natural fit, you know, for a nutrition background. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I love that and do that. And so, you know, through kind of how my career has evolved, it's taken a really winding path like many, but I've spent most of it in private practice, um, Boston functional nutrition, which actually I'm taking a little bit, just starting in a couple of weeks, like a bit of a sabbatical from taking new clients, but it's been a long time that I've had private practice, probably 12 years. Wow. And so a lot of my time has been working with individuals one-on-one, teaching groups, giving presentations, educating health practitioners through the Women's Health Nutrition Academy. And in recent years, it's been uh, developing a fertility wellness and education brand full well. And through that, I have developed a couple of products. There's a few more in the works, supplements that are evidence-based things that I formulated based on really what I wanted to use with my own practice clients. That's how it all started. I mean, I mm-hmm. um, basically, you know, I was, I was seeing clients in the fertility prenatal postpartum time space, and I was piecing together a lot of different things. I was finding it really challenging to find the information around testing and transparency and quality and production methods and even forms of nutrients and mm-hmm. sourcing all of that from the brands I was working with. And I thought, luckily, thankfully, kind of naively, it was like, well, I'm just going to do this myself. (laughs) So so that's that's what I did. And now I really think now that I'm really in it, I I know that there's a huge advantage to having a health practitioner, particularly, I think one with training in nutrition, specifically like an RD behind, behind the formulas, but not just that, like actually every step of the process, you know, and it's that, you can watch the quality, you can watch the production. I have my eye on everything, you know, including our raw ingredient suppliers, all of that. So without getting too deep into that, that's how I landed in full well. And what I'm trying to do with it is, is really change the way that we talk, treat, and just overall kind of approach fertility, you know, in the U S um, because I think it's, I think it's really problematic and traumatizing, frankly, for, mm-hmm. and I don't use that word lightly, but for many that have to go through a conventional medical model for fertility. Yeah. And, and what I would love to start there, you know, in what ways, right. So for many of our listeners, they might be in the season where they are pregnant. They've got, or like me, right. I have lots of friends who are pregnant. I'm not yet pregnant, but I'm very much interested in starting to learn about it and getting curious. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of those traumatizing messages or experience mm-hmm. that you've seen with, with clients and working so closely in this field? Yeah. I mean, actually how I really got into fertility was through seeing the traumatic experiences that my clients were having. Um, actually at the time I was working in kind of a high-end sports club, which was not like my 
place. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that I kind of got to been there, been yeah. there, learned, learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah. That was not a long lived gig, but, yeah. um, but I was there and I was getting, you know, women specifically referred to me, never men, interestingly, which we can talk about, but women referred over by IVF fertility clinics or even OBs um, and told you need to lose weight as quickly as possible uh, mm. before we're able to even consider you for any type of fertility treatment or help. And the panic and the emotional, physical stress, you know, that these women went under with that type of messaging, like lose it as fast as you can, or your, your dream of having a baby is, is, is going to be yeah. jeopardized. I mean, that was really awful to see. And I immediately was like, you know, there has got to be, first of all, we're fighting all of these medications that you're, you're taking and you're, your weight and your body is just not, of course, by design, it's not, it's going to defend, you know, where you're at, where we can't right. achieve weight loss in these conditions. And so I was like, there's got to be a better way um, mm -hmm. to approach this, a more holistic way um, that really takes into account the whole person that takes into account the role that a partner plays. And so it's really evolved um, over the years. And I've just been ever since landing in that's the fertility space, I've really loved it. And have tried to gather as much research as I can. And there's a lot. Yeah. That's so, that's such a good point because right here on, on this podcast, you know, we talk a lot about diet culture and these messages that we receive, right. And kind of this blanket approach that well, weight loss will solve all your answers and that will solve all your health conditions. And, and you're right. It really can be so damaging, especially for someone who's in that very vulnerable to them. It's, it's more than weight. They would do mm -hmm. anything to, you know, get pregnant with their own baby. So kind of going back to where you started the actual supplement line, you know, what, and I love that it's evolving to more than just that, because I agree. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lack of information. There's a disconnect between industries and the actual people delivering mm -hmm. the information or prescribing whatever it is. So for you, what are some of the main issues that you have with the supplement industry and specifically with prenatal vitamins? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, in general, supplements, including prenatal vitamins are generally not created, formulated, or insert. I don't know of many other, at least women owned health practitioner owned supplement companies, practitioner formulated prenatal or women's health, you know, products out there. You know, it's, it's a lot of business people looking yeah, at I was like, so who's, um, who's doing it yeah. though? Who's making them? <laughs> it's really a lot of business savvy folks who are looking at the data, you know, and data is king. We can get it from a lot of different ways, but it's looking at the data, looking at cost benefit, you know, analysis, kind of looking at the numbers and, and formulating things based on that. And so, you know, to me, that's problematic because we really want to see these formulas be based on evidence. So what does yeah. the best research say? And a lot of times, and we could go down a rabbit hole with this, it's actually not what the percent daily value is. There may be updated evidence. You've got to be able to really like stay on top of that and, and be able to interpret it and include it in a strategic way. Um, so there's there's that piece, which is problematic. I think also there's there's a lot of um there is a lot of like smoke and mirrors, you know, in the supplement industry. And I'm I, I say that because there's you know, I say that a little hesitantly because there are really good players for sure. I mean, I think, I think we definitely are <laughs> one of them and there are others, but there's also a lot of companies that are not as transparent as they should be. It's not mm -hmm. common to be testing for the things that are most important or particularly important during pregnancy or the reproductive years 
like heavy metals and other contaminants, it's not common to test every lot that you run, or maybe even to test for those things at all. Heavy metals tends to be done by most good manufacturing facilities, but again, it may not be every lot. Yeah. Can you explain what you mean by, by lot? Like, what does that mean to the consumer? Yeah. Thank you. Sometimes I I forget when I talk about this every day, you know, (laughs) I love it. Um, No, I love it. So (laughs) So every, every batch, you know, of product that you make, you know, is considered a lot. And so that's like all the ingredients that you're taking and bringing in from your raw ingredient suppliers. Like you want, you want to know those raw ingredient suppliers, right? You want to test it when it comes in, test it again internally, like when everything gets put together then have a third party independent, you know, lab be, be verifying those results, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the link that we go to for every single lot and it's expensive, you know, but it's something that I think is really important. And again, isn't common. So we test for identity. So your potency and making sure what's in it meets the label claims, because believe it or not, it's actually very challenging with a, a product that has, especially has as many ingredients as most prenatal multivitamins do to get consistent doses of what you say on the label into each serving. Mm. It's like a, it's a huge challenge. And so I have real questions about how much, you know, how much other companies are doing that if they're not testing to confirm. Um, wow, so we do, we so do that. Interesting. And that makes sense. But I, I honestly never even, even thought about that. So can you explain? And we'll, we're going to talk more about like your specific product lines in particular, but I know that's a big question. Like even on your FAQs, I had the question when I started taking it, but everybody's like, why do you have to take eight pills per day? Like, mm. <laughs> can you talk about that? Yeah. Like the dosaging and things. I know. I know that the eight, <laughs> the eight capsules for our, our flagship product, our prenatal multivitamin is like not for the faint of heart, but there's a really <laughs> good reason there's a method for it. behind the madness. So. Yeah. And I, let me tell you, like I tried, I really tried to reduce that capsule size, but the, the thing is there are certain nutrients that are just much larger in size and take up a lot of capsule room. So those nutrients are primarily choline, magnesium, calcium, And for that reason, for most prenatal multivitamins, I mean, almost like a red flag is if your multi is only like a capsule or two or a gummy or something, because it's not going to contain enough of those really important nutrients. And, you know, we know now that for fertility and early pregnancy, things like magnesium and choline are so important for preventing pregnancy complications. They really help with baby's brain development. We see there's some really good research. Choline in general is very under discussed, but it's such an important nutrient and you can get it in a good omnivorous, you know, an omnivorous diet that has includes, you know, animal proteins, animal source foods, uh, heart, much, much harder in vegetarian and vegan diets mm. or where you're restricting food groups, but getting in extra through a supplement is really, really helpful for those. So because, uh, you know, with choline, for example, 95% of women are not meeting the adequate intake level, Wow. you know, and in that actually the adequate intake level is now being really challenged as being set far too low. So really no one is getting enough gold. Why do you think that is? Because you hear this other, I feel like this is kind of just thrown around in the industry. Like Americans eat so much meat. And mm-hmm. so why do you think that is specifically for women? Yeah, it's actually Americans do eat meat, but they eat a lot of muscle meat. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, we're not eating 
as much as we did historically and what we see in other populations, traditional diets, which is more nose to tail. And so you do see choline more concentrated in food sources like liver, definitely eggs with the yolk. You know, it is in all animal source proteins, but that our, our diets have, have shifted pretty significantly. Mm. So it's kind of like a very diet plus some additional supplemental coin is really smart. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I like how you said it nose to nose tail to because tail. it's so yeah. true. Part <laughs> of it is just like a culture thing. What mm-hmm. are some of the other, especially that you see women in your practice or have seen over the years that some of those major nutrients of concern for fertility during these childbearing mm-hmm. years? And why, why are they so important and why are, aren't women getting them or men? Yeah. We'll talk about that too. Yeah, actually just, I just published a blog post on um, neural tube defect prevention. And one of the things that's important to know about that, that we don't get told about is that there is actually a lot of nutrients involved in preventing that pregnancy complication. And the biggest one that gets t- that a lot of people are familiar with, and you'll hear from your provider first is folate or folic acid, you know, yeah. and getting in enough of that. And it's why our food supply sometime in like the nineties started to be fortified with folic acid. Mm-hmm. That form of folate is a little problematic, you know, for most people to be able to metabolize efficiently. And there's some mm-hmm. issue with what happens when you're supplementing with high levels that are recommended around pregnancy that are in most prenatal multivitamins and some of the byproducts that can be produced, it's actually called unmetabolized folic acid. And it does create some problems in the body. That's um, And if anyone wanted to dig into that deep, we, Lily Nichols and I did a pretty deep dive webinar on it through the Women's Health Nutrition Academy. She has a really good article on folate uh, on her site. And then I've got the neural tube defects blog posts, but uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, yeah. But so, so folic acid gets talked about a lot. I would argue that a form of that nutrient is probably one of the most important ones to really pay attention to. There's, mm-hmm. they all matter, but we use a, a combination of forms that are naturally found in food. And that's really important. Mm-hmm. So, but folate, I guess my point with pointing this out is that Folate, choline, uh, vitamin B6, B12, they're all involved in preventing pregnancy complications like neural tube defects. And that neural tube actually closes week five of pregnancy. So that's like one week, one week after a missed period. Oh my gosh, which many women might not even know that they're pregnant at that point. Right, exactly. So this is so the thing that I'm most passionate about actually is educating on the importance of preconception you know, focusing on your preconception, nutrition and lifestyle, and and just making sure it's as as inclusive as possible. I mean, it's definitely a time. And I think this will resonate with your listeners, you know, too. I mean, it's not a time to be restricting in any way. It's a very Mm -hmm. additive, you know, time where we're trying to add in all the right things. Mm, That's so interesting. And such, such a huge point. Can you talk, you talked a little bit about the different forms, right. And part Mm -hmm. of why you were so passionate about doing it the way you're doing it. What if somebody reading like, what's like, I might not even say this, right. Chelated minerals. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Why does that matter? You know, for somebody, what does that absorption mean? Why does that matter? Yeah. So when it comes to minerals, all nutrients can come in various forms and, and it actually, there's a misconception out there that whole food based or natural forms are better than what quote unquote synthetic forms. Mm-hmm. I did a blog post on this too, because it actually is sort of like that language doesn't make a lot of sense when we say it like that. It actually is bioavailability. So like, can your body 
absorb this nutrient and then can it utilize it? That's really what we want to know. And so that's what I looked at when deciding on the forms of nutrients and in full well products. And for the prenatal, folate comes in the form of methylfolate and folinic acid. Those are two forms that we know are very easy to tolerate, absorb, and utilize by the body. Mm-hmm. Folic acid is easy to absorb, but it's not utilized very efficiently. Mm. So there's, there's nuances like that really with every nutrient. And like with the minerals, as you mentioned, those can be tough to tolerate and or absorb and utilize if they're not bound to something that sort of helps that process. So we bind a lot of our minerals or chelate them. That's what chelate really means to glycine. So for example, magnesium, the most common form of magnesium used in supplements is magnesium oxide. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is it's the cheapest. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And you know, and people and just is, see magnesium and so they think, mm-hmm. oh, it has magnesium. Okay. Right. Right. And um, and this is where it's like, okay, you want a practitioner behind the formula and the company so that it's like, okay, no, we didn't just, we're not just hitting magnesium, you know, on the label here or in the formula. We want to think about tolerance, especially in pregnancy, you know. Yeah. Um, so magnesium glycine is infinitely more better tolerated. It is more expensive, but magnesium oxide has kind of a laxative effect to it. So mm. um, not what we want. It's not absorbed well. So magnesium glycine is what we use. So that, that gives, that gives another example. Zinc is another one where it's like, that can be really tough and, and increase nausea, but is so important for so many aspects of fertility, pregnancy, postpartum recovery that we want to take your prenatal, you don't want to take your supplement and be able to tolerate it well. And so we use also a zinc glycine. That's kind of a theme with our minerals because that glycine while we can't quantify the amount, the total amount that's in the products, any extra actually does really help. Um, glycines are very important amino acid. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're passionate about kind of preconception. So who should be taking a prenatal? How long, like when should they start? It, you know, should they like talk to us about that? Because I feel like even the women in my life who have had children, it's like, they just take something from their doctor. They don't really ask many questions or they pick it up at the pharmacy mm-hmm. and then they stop taking it after they yep. give birth. Yeah, that that is the most common scenario. And I and I would say if there was ever a point to take a prenatal, it's actually before it's it's a slightly more important to take it before pregnancy than even during. Mm. And maybe then arguably more important after. So that before and after, which is so contrary to what we're told. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, just go pick up any prenatal after you find out you're pregnant, you know, and you mm-hmm. may not have that first visit where that's even recommended for a while. So yeah, before you, if you mention like week five is, mm-hmm. you know, one of those important weeks. And then if you're not actually even recognizing that you're pregnant and then I don't mm-hmm. know when is the first appointment typically. I mean, sometimes you're not seen till after Ten the weeks? first trimester. Yeah. Oh my it gosh. Be, yeah. It can be like after three months, you know, wow. Of pregnancy, which is is always wild. Um, even knowing what I knew, I, I found that really crazy. My first um, pregnancy, I was like, I, you know, I've got this monumental thing happening to my body, and nobody yeah. wants to talk to me until nope. my second trimester. Just wait, just <laughs> yeah. wait, just take roll it out. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. yeah, but really, I mean, I recommend three to six months preconception if you can try to get on a prenatal multivitamin and an essential fatty acid. Uh, you know, supplement too, which we can talk a little bit about. Uh, but 
that really helps with the things that it's going to help with is kind of boosting up your levels to help you with the early needs of pregnancy, which there are a lot. I mean, the just fertilization and then embryo, embryo development, implantation, and then you're really like very early and through that first trimester, we may not think of our needs being very high, but you're growing an entirely new organ, you know, the placenta, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, among other things, like there's just so much that actually is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, even prior to that, you know, the egg that, that you ultimately will ovulate and hopefully conceive with that starts developing a year prior and then really ramps up in that hundred ish days, three months or so prior to ovulation is really as, and we want that to be a nice, nourishing nutrient dense environment. Mm-hmm. Um, nutrients also affect cervical fluid. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but like cervical flu- uh, mucus and fluid is really important. The quality of it, it's what helps sperm get to the egg mm-hmm. and fertilization. To, so it helps them survive, you know, um, yeah. and be brought up to the egg for fertilization. So there's, there's really a lot of reasons, but you know, the other one to really point out is that during your first trimester, there's going to be, there will be a period, I think for the vast majority (laughs) where you just, it's hard to tolerate anything Mm -hmm. and um, a prenatal multivitamin taken in advance can help build your stores so that you can kind of get through the worst of the nausea, you know, and in first trimester. I never even thought about that. That is very smart and makes sense and is was a good you know motivator. Is there harm for listeners? Let's say somebody listening, they're like, I know I want to have kids, but I don't know if it's three to six months. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what life will bring. Is there harm in somebody female taking that sooner? No. Yeah, no, definitely not. And you know, we have we have folks that do really well with, you know, halving the dose, you know, taking half the dose, like if they're if they're really a ways out or even beyond their reproductive years. I'm a big proponent and this is kind of a, this is a message that I think will require, you know, a lot of talking about an education, but I, you know, of, of thinking about fertility and as something to nourish, regardless of whether or not you're trying to have a baby, you mm-hmm. know? So even mm-hmm. if you're not looking to have a baby, it's like our fertility is a real window into our overall health. It gives yeah. us so much information and we kind of want that. I mean, even if we think about it a little more abstractly, like fertility is like, creativity and just like the ability to produce anything and birth anything in our life. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big topic, but you know, so having the dose playing around with that and seeing what really feels best for you and your body. I mean, it kind of depends on your dietary intake to your needs, what might increase your needs, like hormonal birth control will increase Mm -hmm. your need for nutrients. That's a really good reason to start on a prenatal multivitamin sooner rather than later. So like even I feel like we could hold, do a whole nother t- uh, podcast mm-hmm. on birth control, yeah. but so even for somebody listening, they're like, oh, "I'm on birth control. I'm not going to get pregnant." Mm-hmm. It would still be to their benefit to take a, yeah. a supplement. Yeah. yeah, what's what's really interesting is hormonal birth control actually depletes a lot of a lot of the most key fertility nutrients just through your body processing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it necessarily a, a bad or a wrong choice. That's very individual, you know, but, um, right. but it's something to know and would be a reason why you would need more, particularly of the B vitamins, but also magnesium. So I think, you know, a prenatal can help if you're on hormonal birth control and you're just looking to kind of help balance out and replete, fill the gaps, you know, a prenatal could help with that too. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, we talk about like the system. I feel like that's not even a conversation that is had or explained when women decide, at least from my experience and friends and all that, that is talked about, you know, even if they're Mm -hmm. going on it for other purposes, not necessarily birth control, right? (laughs) There's so much. So that's, that's really interesting. What about, you mentioned like, you know, post-pregnancy as well. How long do you recommend? Mm -hmm. Should somebody still take that instead of, you know, a general like women's multivitamin? Yeah. Postpartum, regardless of whether or not you're breastfeeding, at least in early postpartum, your, your nutrient needs, certainly your overall just caloric needs are almost double what they were during the third trimester. So everything increases from pregnancy. So it's an Mm -hmm. even more important time to keep taking it. And it often could be the harder time to really be nourishing yourself with food. Yeah. Um, So a prenatal and the full dose of it, we get asked every day, I think, you know, I've had my baby. Can I reduce the dose or stop taking my prenatal? And we, we <laughs> really no. are like, no, 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 this is really the time to keep taking it. You Sorry, know? not and, yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the time to keep going. And it really kind of depends. I mean, if you're, if you're breastfeeding, then that ramps everything up and what you're, what you're intaking for nutrients is, is largely passing the baby. And so in that case, it's recommended just broadly speaking to continue a prenatal through the duration of breastfeeding. Mm. Um, so you really want to just keep going with that. And most people want to, at that point, they feel the difference. Like it's helping with postpartum recovery. Definitely. Definitely. If you're thinking about a second or third or another pregnancy after you want to be taking that prenatal and essential fatty acids as well at a minimum to help repair and restore and replete mm-hmm. before that. Cause that actually is when I, I more often see, and we can see it in the research too, fertility challenges develop more likely to is when you've gotten to that second, you're trying to conceive really? again. Yeah. And it really interesting. is the depletion. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really interesting. And, and I feel like for many people listening, they probably think it's the opposite. Like, Oh, well, we've got pregnant once and it was mm-hmm. easy and we'll have an issue. But that's really interesting to think about just the body as a whole and the reproductive system of, like you said, just continuing to nourish, nourish and create kind of that nourish is the word that comes to mind, like nourishing environment. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm really on a mission to, to, to educate on the importance of paternal preconception health as well. Um, Yes. Talk to us about that because again, not talked about enough at all. It really isn't. And we have more and more research really showing that paternal preconception health influences not just fertilization. Like that's what we think of, like contributing the sperm for fertilization. And then it's like the job is done. That's it. Yeah. 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 But really dad's health or uh, male partner's health is influencing pregnancy complications and mom and baby's long-term health. So pregnancy complications that we've always attributed to mom's health and intervene with with her are things like preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, preterm birth, miscarriage. So we have a lot of a lot more data now that really traces that back to the health of the sperm and wow, that's so me, fascinating. Yeah, and and you mentioned too something that made me think of the fact that we if a male partner if, uh, you know has had a previous pregnancy, maybe with another partner, right? We, that actually I see in conventional medical settings, that being all of a sudden they're ruled out as being a problem, no matter how long or recent that pregnancy was. And that just, that really shouldn't be the case. Um, I mean, same with, you know, a semen analysis, that's not enough to just 
let, you know, kind of men off the hook with their preconception health, because there's so many things that change that we cannot measure with that, a simple test like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that same time frame ish you know, it can be extended beyond that for sure. Like the longer, the better, but sperm develop over about three months as well, a little bit shorter. And so the environment in which they're developing and their nutrient needs, sperm, semen quality overall, it just, it plays a huge role, you know? And so I just think it's so impactful to think about what, what the burden that women have, right? Like that they're, that they wind up carrying for things like pregnancy loss and complications, like complications, like preeclampsia. And it it must be something I've done, you know, but really (laughs) it's a combination of factors. Yeah. Mm, I think that's really probably is impactful for somebody to hear. And hopefully, hopefully if anybody listening has experienced, you know, any of those complications, recognizing like, wow, that's probably was not all me. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. that's, you know, out of our control, but also recognizing that even the things that are, that's just, that's really interesting. Well, well, that's a good point too. Not, not everything is in our control. Right. You know, and I think that often is worth mentioning just because we can do our best, but Mm -hmm. we cannot completely control the environments that we live in our modern environment. We can't completely, we eating perfectly is not the answer and it's not necessary. And, you know, there's also aspects of this that go back generations. You know, I, there's an image that I love that's like, you know, a grandmother, you know, pregnant, and you can see, you know, that, that fetus has the eggs that will ultimately become the granddaughter, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like this, uh, you know, and so the things that our grandmother did, or even our grandfather during the, um, for men during their kind of the ages of 12, 13, ish around the ages of puberty that influences subsequent generations. So like, this is so much bigger, you know, than, uh, you know, just the immediate. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. When I saw your new product, the vitality, am I saying right? Vertility? Vitality and virility. Yep. (laughs) What is virility? What is, tell listeners what that means. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea is really, you know, overall, life giving, you know, we're trying, we were trying to use terminology of life giving and generally those two words, yeah, combined or that, but we were a little concerned in the modern environment that if we just called it virility, that might be interpreted as something else, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, vitality, virility, it's uh, that product is, is designed for, for men in the preconception period, um, for sperm and overall reproductive health, but it also just makes a really good multivitamin. Yeah. I showed to my husband when, when it came out and I was like, you're getting on this. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, I think men as well are mm-hmm. probably also not educated in this area. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. And I think some of that has to do with the cultural aspect to us mm-hmm. not wanting to hurt egos. Um, and mm-hmm. I really think we should give men more credit, you know, than that. And that, mm-hmm. um, and also maybe put a little bit more responsibility on them too, that they play a really important part and need to also be making changes. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Talk to us a little bit about, you mentioned testing and third-party testing. Are there certain labels or language that consumers should be looking for when looking for any supplement for that matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that most supplements, but not all of them are manufactured in a GMP uh, certified facility, which would be good manufacturing practices. That's like the highest level of standard for dietary supplement manufacturer. And 
it's in line with any pharmaceutical type, like the same production methods as any type of a pharmaceutical. Uh, oftentimes, supplement manufacturers are also producing pharmaceuticals, depending on who you're working with. And so that's like, you know, you're getting a safe product where the manufacturing processes are, are done right, you know, mm-hmm. so that's at a minimum. The testing piece is interesting because I mean, it's, um, you know, going, a lot of companies will say that they test, they might say that they test on every batch, but do they do that just internally? Or do they do that with validate from a reputable third party lab with validated methods? And then do they also share those results, you know, with customers? That's where it tends to be there's a lot less transparency. Um, you know, there's some business aspects to that where it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with the, you know, the actual product, but that it was a business decision, you know, not to share that data. But for me, it was, it's, um, well, I may be kind of giving away a lot of information when I do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that if you're going to put something in your body, you have the test results like in your hand and you could say, okay, I, I know, I feel confident in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And, you know, with prenatals and supplements in general, a big concern is heavy metals. Mm-hmm. There was um, some research that was actually done on Canadian prenatal multivitamins that showed that a huge percentage of them had far too high heavy metal content. And that really shouldn't be the case. So, I mean, we're really proud of like the dose that we have, how potent our multivitamin is, and that we actually come in under consistently under like California prop 65 levels, which is nearly impossible. And most people will say is far too strict. Like it, it's probably unnecessarily strict. That means as far as like the amount, explain yeah. that, what that means. So that means um, we've got some of the the lowest levels of heavy metals, especially for the potency, but mm. even just generally speaking. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you really want to be concerned with things like protein powders and like greens mixes. Oh my and- gosh, greens are so popular <laughs> right now. Yeah, which actually I... I can't really totally understand. I, I'm a, a, this is where my herbalist side comes in, but something <laughs> like nettle leaf, you know, which is so inexpensive and so much more nutrient dense and fresher than a greens powder. That's what I would recommend. Nettle leaf yeah. as like an infusion, but <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, these, these things, anything that's grown in the ground is going to have heavy metals. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily introduced like in the manufacturing process, but we just want to have it screened because when you concentrate everything down and then you take it regularly, it can be problematic. Mm. Yeah. Any, any, any other just tips for the consumer who's like, I have been recommended this supplement by my doctor, maybe mm-hmm. even their dietitian, and they go to the store and they're just overwhelmed. I hear so many people buying supplements on Amazon or they're like, well, I'm just mm-hmm. going to take a gummy. Like any other just general tips for, because I feel like there's so much misconception. Yeah. I think my biggest tip is just to, to recognize that they are not created equal, you know, just heading to the store and grabbing something is it's worthwhile, especially in this stage of life, but in general to do a little bit more research, a little more due diligence. And like I said, I think you can go a long way with a company that will be transparent with their testing. I mean, that's really helpful, but you also, I mean, we put out a lot of education, whether or not you go with our products or not. I mean, we put out a lot of education around why this form of a nutrient and this amount over this form, you know, um, and that sort of thing. And so I think it's worth it to do, to do your research and just make sure what you're getting is quality. It's using evidence-based doses and forms of nutrients. And I think to evaluate that you either kind of become like a bit of a research sleuth yourself. You go to a company, you trust a practitioner, ideally that Mm -hmm. you trust, 
and ask questions, you know, because there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of interest, right. Too in supplements and it's like, okay, does who's recommending this? Do they really know the products? And I would argue that OBs and PCPs, like they, as we know, as registered dietitians don't get nutrition training. Right. Um, and they know the importance of taking some of these things like the prenatal and will recommend it, but they, they're not spending their time, nor do they have the time in their visits, right. To be really educating on differences and quality. And then, you know, there might be policy where they can't recommend specific brands, you know, so all that comes into play. I hope that's helpful. No, that's, that's a great tip. And just for somebody listening, take some of that ownership, right. Of of knowing (laughs) what you're choosing and and why, you know, if you, if you choose to take some sort of supplement, why, why are you taking it and make it, you know, worth it. Any tips for, right. Because I want people to, especially our women listening. I I love your products and, but for any tips for people listening, who are like eight capsules. I can't do it. Like any, just for somebody who they hate taking pills. They hate remembering all the the logistics of it. Like it it is important, but (laughs) yeah, I know. I actually, when I was back formulating this product, and kind of put it out there. Cause I, I actually just produced, in fact, I produced this is kind of digressing, but I produced the first run of it, you know, and actually threw the whole thing out. Cause it like, didn't meet my standards. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done. This is crazy. What am I, what am I thinking? You know, but then I yeah. tried to, you know, got back into it. And, um, anyway, I, you know, was told by everybody, nobody is going to take this many capsules. Like you are crazy, but I would just encourage folks to look at, look at some of the reviews most people have said, you know, they thought they were intimidated at first, but it isn't so hard once you get into your routine. We recommend or suggest, you know, that you um, divide it up. It's really best for tolerance and absorption. So maybe you do four capsules with breakfast, four capsules with lunch, you know, and pair it with a meal that can really help. You can actually open up the capsules, you know, and just drop it. I I usually do. Well, depending, put it in like a smoothie or something. Mm-hmm. If I don't Which, feel like swallowing a pill. Yeah. Yeah. So you can totally do that. Open them up, stir it in a yogurt or a smoothie or anything cool, not a hot beverage or liquid. Some people have asked about coffee and I wouldn't recommend that, but you know, and, and that actually gets to the question. A lot of people ask, why don't we make a powdered version or they might seek out a powdered version. The reason there's like a few, a couple of reasons, but the main one is that what I said earlier, you want to make sure that in each serving, you are getting what the label says. And Mm -hmm. all of these nutrients have different weights to them and sizes. And I just, I think it's unless, you know, a company can really demonstrate that, you know, over time in that bag, (laughs) like the nutrients are, are staying consistent per serving. You don't have that assurance, you know? So to me, yeah, the eight is a lot but you can open them up and you can be sure that you're getting what you need um, each serving. Just like you said, like, at least that's, what's been motivating for me is, and and even more so now, like just having the understanding behind the why it makes it. And I think you could say this for anything. It makes that decision so much easier because Mm -hmm. you know why you're doing it and what it's doing for you. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been so wonderful, so much good information. And I'm excited to, you know, put in the show notes as well, just all the resources that you have. I, I am using your blog to send to, to clients and, and people oh, as well, good. because I think it's so, it's so helpful, just empowering to learn more about our health, our fertility, you know, reproductive, all that. So how, where, first of all, two questions. The first question is, 
what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? Oh, hmm. <laughs> um, I think the best thing that's happened to me, honestly, was like I got my husband was like, took my two and five-year-old who are like a lot right now. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> he was like, go do whatever you want. And I like had a bath and a walk and it was just lovely. And I listened to an audio book. So like, to me, it's kind of simple, but like, that's really sounds <laughs> wonderful. Mean, yeah. Yes. Just what you needed. Yeah. And then second question was where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out? How can they connect if they have more questions or want to dig deeper? Yeah. So, um, we're full well is fullwellfertility.com. And that's like where you can find the blog with the resources and a lot more information about the products and the rationale behind the formula and the different ingredients. And then full well at full well fertility is our Instagram account. We try to put a lot of really good education and content there too. I'm also at women's health nutrition Academy, which is for health practitioners and Ayla Barmer underscore RD on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> We will be sure to tag all those in the show notes. And again, Ayla, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.